Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Boom! Hello legends, I'm Chris Thrill. But we're not here to talk about me. We're talk- here to talk about this legend. Let's take a look. Friends, and what you've got is you've got a five mile of death and a six hour life firing range. It puts you in a position to stand in the bar with the paddlers and the fucking Marines and stand toe to toe and say, you want to see what we do on our last day? Full scales, all the ammo, all the bomb. It's five miles, it's fucking hills. It's going to be hard. It's nothing you can't do. The flight commander in the taxi had nowhere to go hard, nowhere to go easy. He's got a bit of a potty mouth, hasn't he? Let's get into it. Scouts, how we doing, brother? Good to meet you, Chris. <laughs> I broke cover. I broke cover. <laughs> Mate, I think I've fallen in love with you through watching that bloody video so many times. <laughs> oh, it's quite endear it it's quite endearing. Well, I'll let you into a secret. You're going to be the first one. You know what the truth is? It wasn't five miles. I hit a mile. It was six. <laughs> well, the uh, the four tonners are just just round the next corner, were they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Chris, God bless it. If I'd have known I was being filmed, it would have been a lot different. Well, here's the thing, right? You was geeing them boys up just just exactly yeah. what you'd want at that stage in your training, your final. Yeah, you know, the final, what do you call it? The big chucker, <laughs> the final chucker. And, um, you know, you don't want, <laughs> you don't want someone telling you you're all shit. I know, but as I said, other, other things would have been emphasised if, uh, you know, if I'd known I was on the camera. It was the early days of mobile phones with the young lads. And I, I just didn't know somebody had one out, you know. Yeah. What, um... Okay, obvious question then. Why did they put it on the on the, the internet? Well, it, it was one, one of the lads was like, uh, it was like a younger version of yourself. He was trying to establish a channel from what I could realise because, I mean, I didn't know what YouTube was myself then. I was too busy getting ready for operations. So he decided to put that up. And at the time, my hierarchy, when they seen it, thought it was very good tool for recruiting. Because we didn't have enough men for Afghanistan and Iraq. And he thought, this is great, you know. So uh, I think that was done in 2007. And then, to be fair, all the piss-taking didn't seem to start until years later, which was quite intriguing for me, because I forgot about the film. And then all of a sudden it went mad. You know, the five miles of death. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some giggles. Oh, I could tell you some stories, mate. Well, let's get into it. I mean, it, the thing is, though, it it's only like because of the veterans' mindset and yeah. and serving squaddies that that they can twist that into something hilarious. Because basically, you you would it, it's just a good honest video. You do this. I mean, anyone who passes out with a unit in the British military has the right to stand toe to toe in a bar with any other person. Doesn't matter whether you're a you know, Lieutenant Colonel in the SAS or whether you're, we used to say blanket stacker, which is a bit 
unfair, yeah. but that it yeah. no, you when you when the war machine goes into operation, you're you all rely on each other. So it was it was like I say, it's only something that I think veterans can uh, <laughs> can can twist into into this. As I said, if I'd have known I was on the camera, I, I would have emphasised some other things, you know. I think the fact that I didn't know and I didn't emphasise it, it's led to a lot of piss-taking. But it's actually, some of my lot have been really upset. It's given me a really good giggle. I, I remember uh, I was in Weatherspoons many years ago in my local town here, and there was a lad at the bar on his own, and I started talking to him, and he was a scouser. So he said, what are you doing down here? I said, I'll settle down here because I'm military, you know. And uh, I told him, you know, I used to be in the RF regiment, and he started to take the Mickey out of the five miles of death. And then he realised it was me, and he was quite shocked, and I, I started laughing. And I said to him, what do you do then? And he said, I'm, I'm a kook in the army. <laughs> so I said, well, what do you do then? How many miles do you do? You know, he, he started getting all flustered. I've had fat bobbies in a bar in a local hotel, fat bobbies taking the Mickey out of it, and I'm not kidding, you, but about 20 stone. I said, well, yeah, I've just, you know, it's been quite fascinating for me. But uh, the one thing that I would have emphasised on the film is that if they then wanted to go and join, join our airborne unit, Tushkun, they have to do our version of P Company, which is like all arms. So, you know, these lads weren't going for, they weren't going for two. They'd have to do uh, three weeks of some really hard work. I would have emphasised that, you know. Everybody just seems to think it was about the five miles which was actually six. How come then, um, if it's five miles of death? Yeah. Well, for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does anyone survive it? Well, this is the other thing I should have emphasised, Chris. Uh, I became a flight sergeant at the time, which was like a sharp major, really, W2. And I was I was in charge of all the, uh, all the training. Now, the training become pre-deployment training because there was no time for them to do pre-deployment to Iraq and Afghanistan. And we had to we had to train them up on the new UGL, the new LMG, and because we accumulated in live firing, we had the gun, we had the generals with us, and consequently with the new weights, all the new weights went up to fifty five pound, which was the average at the time with the new systems. And then because they had the guns, it was seventy six pounds. So the, those young lads in their phase three training were carrying seventy six pounds, which they weren't supposed to do. We only got permission because it was pre-deployment. So they went straight after that six-miler, straight onto six hours on A range at Sennybridge and got beasted non-stop live for six hours, which, again, I didn't emphasise that, you know. So if we'd, if we'd got a chance to put a package together and show everybody what actually happened on the day, mm-hmm. I think they would have been really impressed. And that's yeah, what I'm doing at the 3BXP company that we do called pre the trouble is, mate, if you tell, you know, never tell the truth about a good story, is it? <laughs> it's in- well, it's only took me, it's about 16 years. I think it's 16 years since that video's been made. So uh, I thought I'd better break cover, show everybody what I look like now. That's um, that's a lot. And it was 76 kilo, if you think about it. That's. Not 76 pounds, yeah. Sorry, 76 pounds. That's, that's about double the weight people take on holiday in it you know when you check your bags in yeah, yeah. it's um it's uh nothing to be sniffed at i'll tell you what chris they were young i mean it, that's what i mean it doesn't go on the video they were very very fit young men mm. you know and uh 
Yeah, I, I mean, for anybody who's a veteran, they'll know the score, the six miles in, short the FUP, redistribute all the gun ammunition to the gun section, down to the LMG, the UGL ammunition, hit the start line, and then on you go. And then everybody rotates around doing everything. And a really hard day's training, which wasn't emphasised in the film. But then again, don't let the truth get in the way of a good piss take, Chris. <laughs> Uh, well, mate, I've I've got a dog in this fight because the bloody RAF wouldn't let me join. Ah, right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I went down the recruiting office um, after realising that academia wasn't exactly my thing. Well, it certainly wasn't back then. Failing almost everything, I thought, right, you know, let's go and join the RAF. I think I was going to be some sort of junior technician or something. Look good in the in the recruiting brochure, yeah. and. Uh, I went in and um, the long, tall and short of it was a recruiting sergeant just looked at me and said, we don't think you're RAF material. We don't think you'd hack the training. <laughs> so, so I joined the Marines instead. <laughs> uh, so things could have been very different, mate. Well, I tell you what, if he's watching you now and he remembers that, he'll probably regret what he said. <laughs> I'm not the only one, though. Colin McLaughlin of, of SAS Who Dares Wins fame, he was the same. The RAF just said, no, sorry, you know, you're not for us. Um, and I've met I've met three or four people <laughs> that had that uh, had that reply. So went on and did the uh, did the elite forces thing. But, uh, mate, I don't know about you. It's all a bit silly looking back. I, I'm not. Um, I'm. I think I'm pretty loose for a veteran, really, despite despite being veteran of the year. The veteran of the year thing's just for charity work. It's not like you don't have to be marching up and down the square or anything. Um, it's for charity no, it's work. Have it, it's good to have it. Well done. Yeah, and it's things like we've done a lot. We've highlighted the Falklands veteran stories a lot and told told their stories. And um, and I organise a reunion every year that I've done for. It's going to be in its tenth year now, so it's all it's all sort of you know community based rather than how 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 bright you can polish your your boots. Well, this is as I said, this is quite strange for me because it, it's sixteen years since that video was made, and most of the time I just park it, you know. And uh, now and again, I hear a bit of piss taken, Mickey taken, resurrects it. So I had to go back and watch it yesterday just so uh, I could have a cab with it. But the, I mean, the funny thing for me is, though, is that, I mean, I don't know, but do you know about the exchange we have with the, from our parish club and we, generally from the parish club and we have an exchange with the Booties and we had, we had an exchange with the Paris. So one of us would always go down and be on one of the battalions or on one of the commandos. Yeah, so, got uh, yeah. You know, uh, a, a lot of us, I, I done the, uh, I done the gig with two parish, 95 to 98. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of the lads, knew me and I always find when I bumped into them they give me a good rep you know but uh, didn't let the piss say you can stop though but you know so yeah so the Ralph Fred you've got their own parachute squadron haven't they is that the right terminology yeah we, we, our squadrons are like company groups I, I, I realised when I went to the to the second battalion everything's the group you know and you learn so one of our squadrons has all the weapon systems or it did have, it's a bit strange at the minute, integrated within the, the company all the time. So we don't have to call on support. We, we, we have it there. So, yeah, it's, in effect, it's a company group. Yeah, because I've got a couple of um, 
Um, well, I got one friend, Graham. Hello, Graham, if you're watching. Graham was, um, he was a, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you're a paratrooper, but you're in the RAF, which is, it, it, it's a, <laughs> that's a bit of a thing Chris, to get, get your head around. Chris, I'll tell you the story. I spent a, I spent a couple of years down at PCD, between Commanders Div, when it was at uh, Warminster. Because I'd served on the, on the battalion, and I had the, I had the stage five alpha. So where uh, I went down there to train up the army officers and we went on a battlefield tour to Monte Cassino. I don't know if you've ever been out there. No, I've it's, heard the uh, name's pretty famous. So, isn't it? Yeah. Famous battle there. And it's, it, it's quite a tremendous oh. battle in there. How the Germans, uh, how the German troops held out and how, how uh, they fought with such ferocity and how hard they were, you know, and then he asked us for any questions at the end. So in front of all the army colour men, I said, can I just confirm something, uh, Jim? And he said, yeah, what's that, Scout? I said, these these soldiers, these German soldiers were very, very hard. And he said, yeah, very hard, very, very well trained. I said, and you're telling me they were all airborne? He said, yeah, yeah, they were all airborne, Scout. Yeah, Paul Jamaica. I said, then can we just confirm they worked for the German Air Force, not the German Army? He said, that's right, Scout, they worked for the German Air Force. And I said, oh, just like, just like two squadron in the RF regiments, you know? all the colour men, all the colour men were holding their hands going, oh, he's got one in, you know. So, yeah, it was strange. It was strange being airborne in a, an RAF unit because, you know, when you go into the pub, people just can't get their head around it. Did you but, like, do the... Should, should have had a sense of humour. Don't join up if you don't have one. Did you do the balloon jump? Yes, I did, and I've heard you talking about it. How horrible was that? I just think... We were so fortunate to have that iconic bit of British military history that you, I, I did two balloon jumps. <laughs> yeah. Off the, um, I'm off chuckling the, because I, 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 I got in that balloon and I was in with three. We, we called them baby paras, but I think they called themselves baby paras. I'm not trying to be like derogatory or nothing. But when you got a boot neck in with three young paras, when the the PJI says the jump instructor, right, who's going first? I was like, that'll be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was I was quite senior on my course, so yeah, I was the first one out. Yeah, same as yourself. And they get they say all this stuff to you, right? When you're out, it's like one thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Check canopy. When I got on the ground, the the, the PJI is like fool. Where's Corporal Frew? <laughs> I said, I'm here's <laughs> staff or whatever we called him. He went, what the f*** do you mean? Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I've got one of, my, uh, one of my best mates, Chris, went down to be uh, a sergeant major down at Eddyford, and he was jumped mad. And the squadron at the time was based at Hollavington, and that's where the balloon school was. That's where everything was based. So whenever they put the balloon up on the airfield, We'd get the call, whatever we were doing, get down and get some, get some jumps in. But uh, I had me mate, uh, me mate. I'm talking about. I think he'd done seven in one day. That was a bit of a record for the squad, and he was a lunatic. He, he, you know, only a young lad at the time. I think seven in a day. You know, nerves of steel. <laughs> yes, they used to do this thing called standy uppies, where they jump from the I balloon know. and and they try and like. Yeah. trying to yeah. pull pull down on the lift webs to grab some air just as they landed and, and be able to like walk away from it. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was the best course I, I've ever done in my life. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Once you overcome the, uh, 
the nerves. Yeah. But it was the yeah. best military course. It's it's second best to skydiving, I'd say. Um, yeah, but and now they do. Now they do it out the Cessna, I I believe your first jump is yeah, that right? Yeah, right. all the yeah, all the, uh, yeah, the old bush there. Yeah, mm. it, it's quite it, it's quite handy here because when when the squadron was based here at Honington, I'm in Thetford. Basically, we uh, we, we had a DZ on the farmer's field just round the corner. So they'd land they'd land the uh, the sky van just outside the hangar. The lads are being DFC'd would get on. They jump out onto the Jackdaw DZ, which is five minutes outside the main gate. Get picked up by a wagon straight back in, new kit on, and so that was quite handy. The sky van, you know, as, as you know, the balloon, the balloon retired, didn't it? Yes, that they used to take that balloon around the country. Yeah, yeah. And it would it would rock up at the commando units, and my mate was up there in four five, a, a chap I served on ship with, and he said, Chris, when they when they rocked up with it, uh, lads were lending each other their woolly pullies with the wings on. Yeah. <laughs> and listen th- this is just the story i was told i know everyone's gonna go no no, no but but apparently there's there's like this guy's like doing backflips out the cage and the the, the pgr is like are you sure that guy's like are you sure that guy's trained <laughs> yes did um did yeah the head shed then did they have any problem you you said that they liked that video initially did they have any did you get any shit for it at all? No, I didn't really shit. Uh, initially, they thought because it got a lot of hits, and initially, at the time, we, were, as I said, we were struggling to recoup because we, we were operational in Iraq and Afghanistan at the time, and we just didn't have the manpower. So they were trying to get them through the door and then get them trained. So uh, originally, the video was uh, was accepted. Well, I got the feeling later on at the end of my career, and as I got out, that the the hierarchy was slightly embarrassed by it. However, I always thought, use it. You know what I mean? You don't use the piss take and turn it into something positive. Do you know what I mean? A lot of our young lads know. The one thing that comes out of the video for the Rough Reds lads, listen, if you're going to go on a joint course, you've got to be fit. Because when they take the Mickey out here for the five miles of death, get out there and beast them till their eyes bleed. That's what I say. So they've got to stay fit and uh, keep up a good reputation if they can. Yes. What about... Um you get some pretty unenlightened veterans in the community, Scouse, don't you? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I was at the start major type level for uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and, you know, when, oh, I mean, which story do I tell you? You know, started to feel at the end of my career, what the hell are we doing here? What is going on here? You know, doesn't make sense. I, I could tell you so many stories you had time, you know, the mission changed every other month, didn't it? What, what were we there for? And me, I mean, I, I run the operations room at Kandahar. No, no, no planes got in or out of Kandahar, I don't mind say so. And uh, some of the stuff that was going on, Chris, you thought, this is madness. This is absolute madness. What do we do? And we don't have to say too much about Iraq, do we? Well, we wanna, you know. the madness started with Afghanistan with those certain... Uh cough cough events in new york mate didn't they you know and either either you've got a little bit of intelligence you've you, you worked out that chestnut or you have no 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 clue what an ff <laughs> ff operation is just um i think it's chris at the, I'll, I'll be fair i mean i was setting up a cqb lane for the young officers at warminster and one of the pirates sergeant major said to me scouts get home and 
looking at the telly and see what's happening. And I remember going home, the wife was watching it. And I said to her, you know what, our life won't be the same again. She said, why? I said, you won't be seeing me. And then uh, it was madness for years. Mm. But, uh, you know, at the time, it's only afterwards when you start. I mean, I was over there after that, Chris, for Iraq. My particular unit was working with one of your your ex-units to the lads at Hereford. And we were actually out there before the war up to no good. And I remember at the time, I remember at the time listening to Tony Blair briefing Parliament and then me sitting there looking at what we're doing thinking, this doesn't add up. You know, it, something's going down anyway. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it, you can't blame anyone for not wanting to join up now, can you? Now, now especially as the youngsters got internet now, so they can find out all this stuff. It's just, you know, it's literally... I, I got very political when I got out. So I was uh, I was waxing lyrical at the local bar in 2014. And then uh, an older gentleman said, young man, I listen to you every Sunday. He said, you've got all the answers. I need you to work for me. And I said, well, what do you do? He said, I am the uh, South Southwest chairman of UKIP. And he said, I want you standing. So uh, I became a UKIP councillor, got the highest votes in Norfolk and became political. And that, that that set me off on a journey of enlightenment. I, I went through it from the political, going across to where you are now. I mean, so, I mean, I set up the local stand in the park. I like uh, done the administrating for it, and then you start meeting people who know what's really going on, and you know, and uh, it's fascinating. And uh, I've been receptive to that ever since. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm a member of my local stand in the park. Great, great bunch of people. Um, and what can you say? It's all about raising the frequency, Scouts. You know, when you meet people that are on a high, higher level, they, they bring you up rather than, you know, rather than see you go down. And I think we probably lose so many people in the veterans community because of the negative energy. Yeah. And, and that's right, Chris. I, to get promoted one time, one of my old bosses, he, he wanted me up in HQ and the only billet for me was on signal. Now, that's my nemesis. I ended up on a signals course to run signals in Basra, which got me promoted and got me out of it. But my point is, when I run the operations room there, I had uh, I had two high-frequency antennas and a low-frequency antenna. I had, the, I had the brigade battle net. I had the brigade help net. I had the squadron battle net. Three different frequencies. And what I explain to people is everybody is on a different frequency, you can't hear the other people on the other on the other nets. However, now and again, atmospherics, atmospherics start to do strange things and you hear people migrating from one net to the other. And that's how I explain people about vibrations and frequencies now. If, if you know anything about radios from a military point of view, you've got to start looking at vibrations and frequencies. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Oh, mate, it makes a lot. I think after the last uh, three years, I think a yeah. lot more people are awake to this now, Scouse. And um, it's really simple for me as a veteran, you know, as a mem- member of the armed forces, I, you know, you, you swear a pledge, don't you? You swear an yeah. oath. And I know it's, you know, king and country or queen and country as it was back then. But essentially you're swearing that you're going to defend your family, your land, and most importantly for me is the kids. 
you know, next generation. Um, And I think what's happened this last three years is woken a lot of people up to the utter criminals that are in charge. I say in charge, you know, and I think more veterans are coming forward now and saying, you know, I I took an oath against this. Um, and now, now's the, now's the time to stand. And it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 there's no better time to be alive, mate. You know, do you know what, Chris, fascinating. I, 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 uh, I finished my career down at the, uh, do you know the DHU? Do you know what I'm talking about there? What's it called? The DHU. No, you'll have to enlighten us. Well, in, in effect, it's military intelligence. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was. <laughs> I, thought yeah, it was I, mean, I think at the time I was, I think at the time I was the older. I, I passed that at fifty. I was fifty. Nobody can understand what I was doing down there. But I passed the course at fifty, and the main, the mainstay of that course is doing research. You, you know what I mean? Before any action, you've got to do the research, and uh, you, 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 you get taught how to do good research. Now. When the lunacy started off, the first thing I did was sit down and research. Because that, that was my last job in the military. Well, I started researching things. And uh, do you remember they were telling us every night how many people had croaked on the television? Do you remember that? Yes. And what I did, I sat the wife down. I was worried. And I said, look, this is how many people croak every day and you don't know about it. This is the average people who croak. I said, but we never hear about it. I said, all of a sudden, you get it front and centre. So what I found is just by doing those little bits of research and what the average rates have fallen off the perch were normally and what we were being shown, once you've done that research, you thought to yourself, this is bollocks. Do you know what I mean? There's rats running everywhere here. So that that really started me on an even stranger journey. And I've, uh, I've, you know, I've been in jail and everything since that started, Chris. You know, I've had people after me Yes. I am I am Mr. Conspirator now where I live, Chris. Well, somebody has to be, mate. Some, you know, like I say, someone has to stand up for the kid scouts. And we we, yeah. we sadly saw just utter brainwashing, you know, utter brainwashing. And fortunately, we seem to be coming out of that now. And people, seem, uh, dare I say, manning up a bit or womaning up a bit. And, and um, I think you realise that when in corp- corporate, Corporate trillionaire psychopaths lock the world down. The world yeah. that there's kind of some kind of some abuses um, going on there. You say just on that point, Scouts. I mean, if you go to the Office of National Statistics, and we've got to be careful, kind of what what we're yeah. saying here. Somebody put a freedom of information request. And this is the government office, ONS, right? Office of National Statistics. And they said, you know, how many people like actually croaked it like from yeah. from from this thing? <laughs> and it, it will this will probably blow people away. Yeah. Uh under the age of um well, let's just say twenty twenty-four, you're talking four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight people, yeah. Eight people locked down the country for eighteen months, if not, if not going on for two years, cause untold damage in in families, 
you know, alcoholism through the roof, domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not, not least of which how much they um, disrupted communities. Um, it's, it's, in, yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> mate, I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? No, this is the point. I'm saying you just do, if you just do that little bit of ground in detail and do some research on the available intelligence, then there's a scam going on. You know, right, as military men, what's the aim? You know, do a mission analysis on it. What What is their aim? What are they trying to do? That then brings in all the other fringe things that we've researched and you start to put the pictures together, Chris, you know. It's... Uh, you know, as when I'm always trying to wake the old mates up and say, look, do some research on this and start to realise we are actually in a fight. Yeah. We, think we've, we think we've retired. We haven't. That's Well, that's exa- exactly. Like I say, mate, it's good that uh, more veterans are sort of actually standing by their oath now because the last three years was desolate. I mean, I led a few, I say led, you know, I got together a few, yeah. few veterans and it absolutely just, one of my proudest moments as a Royal Marine was standing up there in London with my fellow Royal Marines, and we was actually sticking up for the kids. Um, no, I see you. I was I was on the marches, Chris. I did. Uh, I did actually see you. Yeah, I? it was. Um, yeah. I'll see if I got. A, um, see if I got a video uh, while we're talking. Um, but yeah, yeah, fine, interesting one. Going back to the the the. the uh, the video. Um, yeah. What I was going to say, what I was actually saying when I say there's some pretty unenlightened veterans out is there's some nasty fuckers basically, and I'm just wondering if if you had any particular <laughs> particular. There's some nasty ones, and there's, let's be honest, there's some of them are not particularly bright, are they? I'm I'm giving idea scouts. So I'm I'm. I was English Veteran of the Year <laughs> last year. Did I, me- did I, did I mention that? <laughs> right? And yeah. yet, I, and yet I've had some Matlow, like, this is irony for you. I've had some Matlow going after me, like, I never served. I couldn't possibly have been in the Royal Marines. Uh, he was a Matlow. He would know. He actually offered me 500 quid to come out in public and show, like, my leaving record. Um, and, um, it, 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 it just made me chuckle a, because I literally couldn't give a shit if no one believes I was ever in the Marines. It's not, I, I it was 35 years ago for Christ's sake. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, I've moved, I moved, moved on in 1995. Um, have, I live a paradise life. It's my life is put, you know, not without challenges, but it's, I've, I've just, done an awful lot since 1995 and um it's I, I just get that mentality that like real stunted sort of development and i'm wondering if you you know did were there people that try to make your life miserable oh yeah i've had a few episodes as i told you there's only one day it got it got it got physical one day uh, do you want me to tell you about that yeah yeah please do we, we all like a good scrap <laughs> well, when I when I first come out, uh, come out of the mob, I was still going down to the sergeant's mess, and you you can wear your mess dress. So I went to uh, number five's two in the local sergeant's mess. I was running a St George's dinner a couple of nights later, and the band had booted in the local pub. 
So the landlord said, come and check the band out, have a quick pint. So I went up there, I, you know, I'd had a few, and uh, somebody started having a go with me. <laughs> and I said, what is your problem? He said, it's the five miles of death. And I said, well, what's the problem with it? He said, well, you mentioned the Paras and you mentioned the Marines. I said, yeah. He said, well, you didn't mention my unit. And I said, who are you? And he said, what his unit was. And I chuckled, and the next minute he lamped me. Got a real sly one in. And then it all went loud from there, you know. And uh, I always laughed back at that. I thought, oh, my God, why didn't I just mention everybody? Do you know what I mean? If I'd have mentioned everybody, I probably would have had a quieter life. Hey, mate, the reason why, I was going to say the reason why I mentioned the Paranormal Marines, because we just started off, we had just started the group off, and, you know, well, out the SSFG. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're part of that, you know, the Parasquadron. We're part of the SSFG. It just being set up. I was part. I was involved in it without boring it. And basically, when I said the Paris and the Marines, it was based on the fact that we were our men. Some of them would go down to the SSFG. But sometimes, if I'd have mentioned all the other units, I probably would have had a quieter life. So I do apologise to all those units that didn't get a mention. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean to upset you. <laughs> Mate, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but are you have you come to the conclusion that it's all our experiences bring us to where we are, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking back now. I, you know, we haven't even touched what I do at the minute, Chris. I'm I am like a madman at the minute. But everything I did in my military career, and I used to look back and think, why did I? Well, why was I a pain in the ass there? Why did I have to go through that? It was all for where we are right now. Because everything I did in my military career is counting for what we're doing now. You know, I have to organise, I have to be diligent. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, is this, um, sorry, is this your council work? Yeah, because yeah, I went from the military. I was a councillor for eight years. Mm. And I thought the council was going to be like in the military. The one, the one good thing about the military, Chris, we have structure, don't we? We, we have structure and you, you can see the reason for doing things. When I became a local politician, you could see the corruption everywhere. And, you know, the stupidity. I used to think, what? why are they making that decision when it would be better to make this decision? You then start to find out there's potential fingers in pies and there's, there's higher level meetings going on and things are happening from above. And they're all useful idiots, you know. So I ended up as a, as a local politician being a dissenter. And I thought, well, I was a dissenter in the military and there. It set me up for where I am now. I've just, uh, in my little town here in Thetford, we've just started off the first sovereign council where we stand in our own sovereignty and we're trying to explain to people about the corporations and how everything's a corporation because we thought we've got to wake up the populace. We've got to wake the local people up to what's going on. But you can't do that by force. You, you, you've got to do it in a way where people come to you because they're willing so that's what we've set up, Chris, is a sovereign council. But that, that's based on my eight years as a local politician and my 34 years prior to that in the military, you know. I'm trying to make everything count. I'm yes. maintaining the sense of humour. Well, I'm just trying to... Uh, just uh, We had a guest on recently and they formed a pressure group. They formed a watch group on their council. And the reason being is the council tends to be made up of people of quite sort of senior years that yes. I literally have no idea about, you know, New World Order, World Economic Forum, 
um, you know, the 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 the, the climate scam, uh, the, the the electric vehicle scam. <laughs> you know, the the list goes on. And what they've done is they've been going into Parliament and, and asking to speak, and they've set up um, they set up um, council watches. Are actually, you know, put putting the focus back on the council. Yeah, um, that's the way to do. It. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's. It's taking back the power, Scouse, is it not? Chris, what I would what I would commend here is if you go uh, when when because I know you're busy on YouTube. There's a channel called LSB Lima Sierra Bravo LSB right. Film Productions, and it's one of our local lads here. He has his own little film company. But I, I don't know if you're aware of what happened in Thetford last year. We set the world on fire over the twenty minute neighbourhoods. You aware of that? Um, no, can you? Well, I mean, I'm obviously aware of 15-minute cities. Can you can you expand? Well, well, the other one is the 20-minute neighbourhood, in effect, is a 15-minute city under a different guise, yeah? Yes. Now, what happened was we were earmarked in Norfolk by the county council to be one of the trial 20-minute neighbourhood towns. Now, the minute the stand, this is the great thing about the stand in the parks, what great focal points they are and how they've moved on. Our stand in the park group had a meeting about it and we decided the people needed to know. So we put our hands in our pockets, produced leaflets, and we leafleted the whole town. I think there's about 35,000 people in our town. The next council meeting, I couldn't believe it, Chris, 250 people turned up. We couldn't get into the chamber. I was still a councillor at the time. And I spoke to the clerk and the leader of the council. I said, we need another venue. So my friend owns a hotel. I phoned them up. It was empty. I said, Ches, can I get them in the hotel? He said, put them in the hotel. So I... We marched 250 people to the local hotel to get them in, where the the uh, the mayoress and the councillors were berated about the 20-minute uh, neighbourhood. I then suggested to the populace that we we have a meeting with the county council, where the power is, at a later date, and then we had 300 in, in the next meeting two weeks later. And the county council backed down from the 20-minute neighbourhoods because of the pressure that the people put on. Now, what comes out of that is the little focal points like the stand in the park and these pressure groups and the sovereign councils, just by having no focal points there at the right time, they will be able to make things happen. Does that make sense? And we've got to do it from the bottom up. Yeah. We've got to do it from the bottom up, you know. I, I mean, me personally, when you look back, Chris, everything is chopped down. You know, everything is chopped down. We're told what to do. You know, the whole the whole thing about our common law, our sovereignty, our spirituality, we're bottom up. We're bottom up, not top down. And this is how this is how we get taken over. That makes sense. Yes. Oh, that was quite profound, wasn't it? I didn't expect that to be coming out. It's um, well, it should be profound, Scouse, because there's all of this stuff's been hidden from us, hasn't it? And our, if you think our previous generations, they you know they didn't have internet and stuff. They just had that infernal box in the corner of the room and. They just weren't aware of any of this stuff, were they? No. Well, I, a couple of my mates, you know, they don't use the smartphone. They, uh, they only use burner phones, as they call them, you know. And I'm saying to them, no, we've got to use these tools against them. I mean, I'm great. If I've got a bit of information, Chris, at the minute, with all everything I'm on, can it 10,000 people, you know, and get the information out quick, you know, never hold back a warning order, as we say in the military. Get the information out. And I think what's happening is we're, we're beating these by getting the information out quicker than they can stifle the information. And every time they close 
a method of information down and stop us from using it, we've got to find another way. And I think this is why you understand everything's rising, the Great Awakening. Everything's rising because we won't shut up and we won't go away. Yes, the censorship got bad over the three. I mean, they was Facebook were working with the BBC to just shut anybody, anybody up that, um, and they've got a massive seat. I can't even, we're not even allowed to talk about it because of the platforms we broadcast on. We go, I've got a locals plat friends at home. If you see the link for locals, it's in the description box below, or it's at the bottom of the screen. That's where we really get down to brass tacks. And I can say, you know, exactly what's going on without fear of, uh, getting my balls cut off. But, um, yeah, when you see the BBC working in cahoots with Facebook and, and to take posts down, anyone sharing any alternative knowledge on the official narrative. And, Scouts, I'll tell you now, even the people that believe they're wide awake would have their world rocked if they truly understood the causes of ill health. That's all I'm allowed yeah, to no, say. You yeah, know, no, I'm talking... It's all a fear-based narrative based on fear of the other. And if people yeah. knew, you know, if if, if people knew the, if people knew the truth, they'd be rioting in the streets tomorrow. But because most people get their information from that box in the corner of the room, and we've been brainwashed from childhood um, in the fear narrative on the tell on the tell lie on the tell yeah. lie thing. And also, also our complete health narrative evolves around blaming other people for your circumstances rather than taking charge of your life and, you know, adopting the, the alkaline living and moderate exercise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Chris, my wife, my wife says to me, Chris, every night, what's that you're taking? And every night before I go to bed now, I have the, uh, the organic... I can't relate to shoulder. You know, yeah. That's what you're saying to me. You with me, you understand that, yeah? So I'm on the bike, I'm late shoulder to get the alkaline. Yeah, well, Frankie's just made a point in the comments. You can buy pH strips on eBay for like £1.99. They tell you if you're acidic or not. And if most people watching will be acidic because Western diet is toxic. Yeah. It's the it's the abundance of carbohydrates. It's just not natural to eat 3,000 grains of rice in like one bowl and then do that the equivalent three times a day it's it it really 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 poisons us but um chris listen on, on that subject you're talking about there I get back to the stand in the park and that subject uh i was very lonely in 2020 i was a lonely man i smelt rats done the research started trying to tell people nobody was listening you end up being lonely does that make sense in, in, in a way not, not that you can't handle it. And then all of a sudden, I went to one of the first standing parks in Norfolk in a place called Wyndham. A friend got me there. And I thought, you know what? We need one in Thetford. So I started the one in Thetford, and we had 80 on the books. But what shocked me, Chris, when I got there, everybody there as, as a military, ex-military man, everybody who turned up, I would normally have run away from. I had homeopaths, natural paths. People tell me about strange planets that are hiding. People who are about angels and spirituality. And I thought, my God, who are these people? Then once they start giving you the information, and especially on what you've been speaking, that's where I heard about the alkaline and the uh, 
you know, the opposite to that and how to look after yourself. And these people were a mind of information very quickly because I'm not stupid. I could work out the information they're giving me was very, very good. Mm. And then I thought, well, why haven't I got this information before? Why weren't we getting this information in the military? You know, and that's when you start to realise we've been lied to. There's some great things out there when you find out what's going on, though, isn't it? Oh, mate, it's, um, like I say, my life's a dream now. I, I, uh, it all starts with stop playing a victim. You know, yeah. you're responsible for your own circumstances. Show gratitude. That's thank you, Mother Nature, for this incredible opportunity called life. A lot of my mates are not here anymore, but I am, and I'm going to keep fucking firing at it. And, um, and, um, shut off. Shut off the news. Stop watching yeah. it. It's you know it's it, 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 it. You'd think people would have learned from last twenty years of illegal conflict that that box don't do you no favors. But the the programming is is incredibly strong. Yeah, no, I've hardly watched any. I mean, the wife has it on now and again. Don't don't watch any of the television. It's uh, just uh, yeah. There's so much on the internet. There's so many fascinating documentaries, you know, that, that unlock the truth for you. And, and um, yeah, then you go back and watch that toxic, like the mainstream channels, and, and you see that the, they're, paid, they're paid to lie to you. They, and they don't even know that they're lying. They believe, you know, that, that, that these narratives have been told and told and told so many times that, that um, if you tell a lie big enough and you tell it long enough, it, it becomes the truth, right? Or a, or a version of it. Have you, uh, and we talked about, uh, talking about veterans who you look up to, you know, yourself's one of them. This is why I'm on here. Have you, have you seen anything from the, uh, the Ricardo Bosi in Australia? Yes, I have. Um, he seems to be, you know, doing his best. Former SAS colonel, was wasn't yeah. he? He's he's he certainly was very vocal when he came for the kids this last three years, uh, as yeah. as yeah. all veterans should be. Um, all I would say is, it's this is a this is a difficult one. This is a warrior's journey, yeah. And to be a warrior, you have to develop the skills just like you and I had to when we joined the military you, you know you can't just waltz in and say give me a rifle I'm, I'm good doesn't work like that warrior's journey or it's also known as spiritual battle is it's you know a you got to be up for it and not a lot of people are then and to be honest I don't think people are hard enough scouts you know you you've you you've got to push yourself you got to find your, you know, you find your limits. You got, I mean, every morning I'm, I'm in a plunge pool. Sometimes I have to break the ice on it. Mental well, discipline. And when I look at people like Ricardo Bossi or Bossi, it you shouldn't be preaching religion to people. I mean, well, you, he can do what he likes. I honestly doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. But I say this to people that that want better for themselves that want that spiritual in in yeah. in enlightenment because it's just an incredible incredible journey you leave the matrix i'm just showing a diagram here scouts you leave the matrix yeah. behind that's your third dimension that's people that think all there is in life is just like this meat suit and what you get from the bbc news then some people when they see you know like buildings falling out the sky or um, 
people locked down the world world over 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 a you know a bogeyman they start to wake up don't they but the trouble is with this waking up business it leaves a lot of angry frustrated and scared people it's only when you make the leap to fifth dimension consciousness which you do which is warrior's journey um that things start to make sense and you take the pressure off yourself of thinking it's your job to to change the world and there's some simple things scouts that that people like ricardo bossi need to be saying you need to be alkaline you need to you need to understand that all living things have a ph balance and if yours is acidic which most people's are you're not you're physically not operating at optimal performance and if everything's electromagnetism if your body doesn't behave as the crystal that it should, you cannot receive the frequencies of information that are invisible to to our eyes. In, in addition, you've got to breathe because we're at, our ancestors lived in the forest for for you know more years than we can even comprehend. They they, they breathe. They moved around. They got wet. Because, how, you know, they didn't have houses. They were lucky if they could get a cave. We got wet. That's why the cold water immersion is so, so popular. Then you got to be on goodwill to all human beings. You got The past doesn't exist. And how many veterans are anchored in the past? You know, they're caught up in the childhood trauma. That That's then sometimes exacerbated by the trauma of maybe being bullied when they served or something they saw experienced in combat. And if you can't get rid of those anchors that you've got in the past, you can't go forward. So you have to come to peace with everything. That takes yeah, forgiveness, it, yeah. forgiveness, empathy. And I could go on and on, mate, but this is your podcast. But, you know, it's... No, it's it, interesting what you're saying there, so when people say to me, Chris, what do you think about this person? I say, do they tell, talk in terms of energy, vibration and frequency? Because that, you know, we, we are a manifestation of the quantum realm, which if you'd said this to me like years ago, I mean, what, what the hell are you talking about, Chris? We talk. You know, um, but essentially, just show another diagram. We're all part of the eternal energy. So, if you those people that like their Bible or whatever, you know, in the beginning there was nothing. Then there was the Word, Word of God, vibration. They're saying that that this system is based on energy, frequency, and vibration, and from that everything comes into matter which is you, me, you and me, Scouse, right? And if we want to affect the outcome in life, unless you're mm. thinking in terms of energy, vibration and frequency, you're not going to get the outcome that you want because you can only operate in this 3D realm and yeah. you're, you're quite limited. You're not going to wake up every person out there about chemtrails, about the, uh, you know, the, the health lie, Etc. Etc. There's just there's too many. You know, save the whale, save the ozone, fight the this World Economic Forum, international banking cartel, European banking din. It just goes on and on and on. But what you can do is work on your own energy, and off the back of that, you spark other people who might not be awake. 
So yeah. when people say to me, what do you think of this guy? It's, it's like, well, it's quite easy. If they're not talking in terms of energy, vibration and frequency, then they're fourth dimension individual. They're not enlightened. And it, it, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. This is a stage you go through on the journey to enlightenment and enlightenment's where it is. That's why you've got stories of people like Jesus and Buddha and, and all, 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 all these people that attained, you know, 12th dimension consciousness. And um, on that note, Scout, sorry, I just wanted to say, isn't it amazing that we can have this conversation? Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. A few years ago, no, it, it, no, it's interesting. Again, with the group, you didn't see a grounding. Yeah, we had, uh, we had. I think it was Clint Uber. His name was. He he wrote the book on grounding. We had him on the show. Chris, you know, you know, when you've spent a lot of time in the military, how much time did we live in the trees? We dug in. We sneaked around bushes. We were lying under things. We were soaking wet. We were getting cold. You know, I want to look back at what I've learned the last three years. I think I've, I've spent a lifetime grounded. You know what I mean? I actually. As a military man, you know. Yes. Walking it, around in a harbour area, you know, it's just, you, you, you cry, you, you're there. We just didn't realise. So I think, you know, from a, a veteran's point of view, there's a lot of us got skills that we don't realise we've got them. You know, we wake up, we, we've got stuff other people haven't got, you know. You know, we've been wet, we've been, we've been at one with the nature and, you know, they're trying to keep us away from it, aren't they? Mate, so I said to me, what are you doing next Saturday night? You're going out. I said, no, I'm living in the woods. I'm going to get cold. I feel great. <laughs> they're trying to ban bloody, um, uh, they're trying to ban log burners, mate, aren't they? <laughs> oh, God it's, bless it's, you. It's, it's silly. Um, mate, you said something to me. You you got invited onto a lot of podcasts, but but you chose this one. That, yeah, mate, that's true. Yeah. I'm, on, well, I'm, I, on, I, I'm honoured about that, Scouse. Well, I, I always got told off a lot of their senior mates who, who've been around a bit on on the circuit. Don't don't go on and talk about it. You'll you'll never win. You'll never win. It'll just turn into you like I said. No, I, I won't win. But once they come on yours, I thought you know what? First, I thought I'll get a free. I'll get a good gig off Chris, and he'll understand that that was in the past. What's it all about? Listen, I always think don't let. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good Mickey take. It's good for morale. It is good for morale, but there should always be a limit on it. Once things start turning nasty, Chris, it becomes destructive. I, I, I love a, I, I love a great piss take. A, a piss take. Maintaining to morale, keep the truth going, the laughing, you know. But the minute it becomes negative, that is where, where, where we don't like it, you know. You yeah, know? we're in a veteran suicide epidemic, you know. <laughs> Any, but anyone slagging off a fellow serviceman needs to be pulled up about it. You never slag off a brother or sister ever. It's just you just don't you don't want that person in your trench next to you. They're they're the weakest link. And sadly, I don't know if it's a part of the recruiting process, but these people have just crept into the British forces, mate. You know, those that they haven't literally haven't got a good word to say about anyone. Uh, incredibly envious of anyone's achievements, and it—it's rather than build a culture on that that negativity, which seem, you know, it it needs to be called out. And your video was great. <laughs> it's just like who who cares? Yeah. Well, the, the great thing, Chris, is you know, 
you got the piss take initially, and then all of a sudden somebody says, well, tell me about it, and you get into the little nuances and this, that, and the other. And, you know, we educate each other. If we just stay negative and totally take the piss without any communication, you know, I I think the video is great. If I walk into a pub and there's a couple of ex-squaddies and they take the mickey initially and then say, tell us all about it, Scouts, and I go, well, yeah, lads, I'll tell you what it was actually happening. I find that's positive, Chris. Does that make sense? Yeah, ex- 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 exactly. exactly. It's a, you know, it's a good use of the video. But when, when people say nasty, 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 don't want to know what actually happened or, or any background to it, it's what we've learned. You stay in the negative realm, don't you? You know, and why do you want to be negative? I'm saying to the wife all the time now, stop moving, come on, come on, girl, let's get the vibes. I, she, started, she thought I was a lunatic. She's going with it now. I'm saying, come on, girl, come on, come on, come on. Oh, okay then, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. come on, don't track us down, you know. We've got to spiral upwards, mate. You know, we've got to keep the energy going upwards because you you literally see veterans, once they start that downward spiral, for some yeah. of them it doesn't end, um, sad, sad, sadly. Yeah. And you need, you know, you need strong people around you to recognise when you're in that state of mind and go, whoa, stop, hang on, let, let's just rearrange a few things here. Are you glad to be alive, like, you know, to have this chance at life? It's a trillion, billion to one shot. Why are you living yes. in the past? Afghanistan don't exist no more. Why are you still marching up and down the square about it? You know, yeah. your mate, who, who, you know, come to an untimely end. What what would he want for you? He'd want one thing. Your oppos would want one thing, that you go for charging with a big frigging smile on your face and you make the most of every single day. Um, you know, you've got... We, We've got to change a few things, I think, in the veterans' culture here because it's too much like living in, in the ego scouse, living in the identity of when he was 18 years old. And then, you know, sort of people like, you know, wondering why it's not working. And Chris, we've all got to be there for each other. Uh, this Remembrance Day, I've had a few issues with Remembrance Day recently. Uh, first one was in 2020. I thought, what's, what is going on here? I've, I've, I've come to terms with it in, in myself. Now, this Remembrance Day, I took a gang of people up to Liverpool for the Great Resist. I don't you know about the Great Resist with Liz? Yeah, it and got cancelled in the end, didn't it? It got it got cancelled. Now, me and three of my guests had already booked in, you know, to me home city. So I said, "Come on, we'll go up there anyway." And we met the we met the Liverpool People's Resistance, which is there, standing in the park, you know, and. Uh, it, it, it was great, you know, we, lots of education. We stayed the night. I got up early on the Sunday, Chris. It was Remembrance Day. I was walking down the Mersey on the pierhead. It was rain. It was horrible. It was dark. And I was having a little bit of contemplation, you know. But I wasn't there with medals on and standing at the cenotaph. And I thought, just have a little minute. And the next minute, one of, one of my best mates phoned up, who's civilian, he's top interrogator in the British military, he phoned me up at quarter to 11, Chris, and I knew straight away. I thought, my mate's struggling, you know, and he phoned me up, he said, Scouts, and I could tell straight away he needed to talk, you know, and he said, how are you feeling? What do you think? You know, I said, what do you think about what, you know? And I could see he was struggling, and I tell you what, we had 20 minutes on the phone talking, and that, you know, that was my remembrance, and uh, I like to think we'd done them a favour there. But, yeah, we've got lots of veterans struggling, you know, We've all got to talk to each other. We've got to start. You know, we've all got to start talking to each other and listening, and you know, even the outlandish ones. 
Yes. But many of us do, mate. You know, all my mates know I'm always here for them 24-7. Cool. I don't give a shit if you call me at 2 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I, I don't... I don't I, I'll beat to my own drum. <laughs> I always have done. I'd rather you call me and say, look, you know, I need a chat. I'll just jump in the car and come and pick you up, even if I have to drive up to, you know, halfway yeah. up the country. Um, doesn't bother me. I'd rather, But people, when they're struggling, you have to reach out. You have to. Well, the fact you've survived what you've been through, Chris, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. More people should be reaching out to you if you've got the pace. Saying, get me through this, you know, because there, there is quite a few of them out there, isn't it? You know, we're, we're all that busy. We, we need to make more time. Yeah. That's why I'm glad I work for myself now, Chris. You know, at least now I work for myself. I'm I'm not slave to anybody. I can say, right, I'm taking the day off. And did you want to... Um... Did you want to talk about what you do? Because it's quite fascinating. You don't have to, but it's quite fascinating. Okay, so I do have three names, don't I? Like, you know, Scouse, Scouse Mark. Just your name, Mark, and, and my Char- three names, Charlie the Chimney. Charlie the Chimney. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I thought they just shoved little boys up chimneys. What You don't look that little, mate. Yeah. It's fascinating, Chris. I came back from Afghanistan 2011. I only had four years left to serve. And my good friend and neighbour, Mr. Charlie Chimney, Mr. Bishop, said, Mr. Taylor, you're taking over the business. I never thought I'd be a chimney sweep. He made me an offer. I done a six-month apprenticeship. And uh, I, I was going to be the combat chimney sweep. And he said to me, don't change, don't change the name, Mr. Taylor. I'm famous. So I kept the name Charlie Chimney. I thought, how the hell can I be Charlie the Chimney? And I'm in Norfolk, and I'm a Robin Thieving Scouser in Norfolk, you know. The first house I went to on my own, she... You're not Charlie, where's Charlie? So I dropped all my kit, came to attention, saluted and said, Madam, I am Charlie the Chimney's John Mark. And she burst out laughing. <laughs> so, so for the first two years, I was Charlie's chum. And now everybody calls me Charlie. And when I'm with the old boss, he wants to know why everybody's calling me, me his name. I said, well, you may. Oh, yeah, I clean chimneys for a living. <laughs> I'm the Scouse version of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> Scouse, listen, you're starting to break up a bit there. So I think on this note, um, I will love you, love, love you and leave you, brother. It's been an absolutely brilliant, brilliant chat. Pleasure, Chris. Pleasure. Mate, the fact that you wanted to come on my show is just that's just made my Christmas, man, you know. Um well, can you do me one favour? The main thing that's come out of this today. I don't lend money, mate. Sorry. Say again. I don't lend money, mate. Sorry. No, no. No, you've still got me checkbook, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember the five miles of death wasn't five, it was really six. Yes. I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> everybody. <laughs> All right, Chris. Yes, brother. Um, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, have a great Christmas. Just stay on the line so I can I'm gonna play us out here for the live and then I'm gonna thank you properly. So stay stay in the car if you've got five more minutes. But like I say, Scouse, absolute legends. Um, don't go changing. <laughs> to everyone at home, could you chuck us a like and a subscribe, folks? We'd really appreciate it. If you want to support the channel, you want to support what we're doing here, which is trying to raise the vibration, as we mentioned, and do the right thing for the kids, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, Locals, or just becoming a YouTube member for as little as $1.99 a month. You get VIP tickets to all my events then, free free of charge. We've got a 
another bushcraft weekend planned, um, et cetera, et cetera. I've said enough. Big thanks to Scouse again. Much love to you. Thank you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris.thrall. Thank you.